Don't not do it because you can't impact your children's lives, but you could impact the next generation's life. You can just skip a generation. You are listening to the Redefining Wealth podcast with Patrice Washington. In today's episode, I sit down with estate planning attorney, Art Steele, who believes that estate planning is definitely for everyone. Hey there, this is Patrice from patricewashington.com, where we chase purpose, not money. Welcome back to Redefining Wealth. To my OG listeners who have been here with me for a long time now, you'll be excited to know that today we are definitely doing a personal finance episode. We're kind of untraditional around here. To my new listeners, here's the deal. We believe that wealth is more than money and material possessions. So around here, we really focus on well-being and all the other parts of life that contribute to the wealth that we want to build. But today, in honor of Thanksgiving Day in the U.S. 2018, while you are gathering with your friends and family, I thought that this episode would be something perfect for you to talk about because as you're cooking today, or driving over to go get some food from a relative's house, or just cleaning up, whatever you decide to do today to stay in a place of gratitude. I also wanted to prompt you to not just gossip (laughs) in your Thanksgiving circles this evening. Now keep it real, friends and family, you get together and conversation goes on that one family member or friend and it turns a little south. Instead of doing that today, how about we turn to our loved ones and talk about getting it together? especially in the area of planning for the inevitable. That's the big thing today. Now, before I get into today's episode, though, I have to give a shout out to Care Of for taking care of so many of my purpose chasers here in the Redefining Wealth community. I've been sharing about my experience with Care Of. It's a monthly subscription service that delivers completely personalized vitamin and supplements right to your door. So after taking their fun and quick quiz at takecareof.com, and assessing my diet, my lifestyle, and my health goals, the site gave me recommendations and broke down in simple terms. I'm talking simple, simple terms. The research that backed why they made those recommendations. And I've shared on my Instagram the cute little packets they come into. I grab them on the go or I take them with me when I'm on the road traveling. And each day, what I really like is they list a quote, a fact, or a challenge. And today, I have to read to you my challenge. It says, hi, Patrice, go for a walk today and leave your phone at home. Ah, unplugging. See, that's what I'm talking about. And you know what? I think I'm going to do just that when I'm done recording. So thank you, Care Of. For 25% off your first month of personalized Care Of vitamins, visit TakeCareOf.com. That's TakeCareOf.com and enter Wealth Care at checkout. TakeCareOf.com and enter Wealth Care at checkout. And I also got to give a shout out to my purpose chasers over in my Patreon community. Today's episode was inspired by their request. I asked what they wanted to hear from me and they gave me a long list. They didn't hold anything back. So thank you guys. They tell me what's important to them. And so here we are. If you want to get in my ear and help me craft the content of the show, then become an official purpose chaser at IamAPurposeChaser.com. That's I am a purpose chaser.com. 
Now, back to Art Steele, super excited about this conversation, her passion for estate planning and just for helping us be better as a whole is truly inspiring. And it's a conversation that I just don't think we have enough of. So Art is an estate planning and intellectual property attorney and is counsel at Creative Genius Law. She is dedicated to helping creatives legalize their business through the information she provides on her blog. She's also the host of the Inc. Secure Podcast, a legal podcast focused on finding wealth in the fine print, because mm-hmm, that's where it is. In addition to providing legal counsel to small businesses, Art is passionate about helping minorities build wealth through estate planning. She is also a part-time law professor at American University Washington College of Law in Washington, D.C., where she teaches wills, trusts, and estates. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Art Steele. Welcome to the Redefining Wealth podcast, Art. Hey, Patrice. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. This is such an honor. Like you don't even, you don't even know. (laughs) (laughs) I go back to your Money Maven days and I have like three copies of your book. I've given it to like so many members of my family. Oh, thank you. I didn't even know that. And I know you came out to support me when I was speaking in Annapolis. I was so happy to see you. (laughs) And so we met originally, what, a few years ago at Great Girlfriends? Yes. Yes. I think that was 2017 in June of 2017. Is that all? I've been following you online though, because, or maybe since then, I've just been following you super hard because I'm like, I love (laughs) everything art. Um, just because you're so real and you talk about such important topics, but you make it so down to earth and relatable. And I think that every entrepreneur needs your legal expertise, just the way that you see things and the way you communicate things in their back pocket. So I love your podcast. Definitely going to link to it in the show notes. Mm -hmm. And And we have uh, a new name, you know, we rebranded it. It's now called the Inc secure podcast because Ah. what we talk about is all about putting it in writing you know that goes with estate planning that goes with any legal aspects of your business and of your whole life so we want you to go from being insecure because most people when they talk about these things estate planning legal aspects of their business they feel insecure about it right they feel like they don't want to go down that path because they don't know about it and so that's our whole purpose is to make you feel better about it. Mm -hmm. I like that. Mm -hmm. I like that. And I like that play on one of my favorite shows. Yes! (laughs) (laughs) I know. I don't watch a lot of TV art, but I will wait for that season to be done. And that's what I binge. If I'm going to binge something, cross between that or on Netflix, The Crown. But those are the only two things that I'm really... Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I'm into Insecure as well. (laughs) Nice. So I want to jump right in because you do talk about topics that typically make people insecure, especially women for whatever reason, which, you know, 80 plus percent of my audience are female. And one of the, I think the biggest myths that I've heard you talk about on your podcast is about personal behavior, not necessarily being the thing that closes the wealth gap, Mm -hmm. right? I heard an episode, it was called, are you building a legacy or still hustling? And, you know, I went straight to that. I was like, yes, this sounds like something 
that I would be into. And I love the episode because you talked about wills and trusts and estates and stuff. And in the last few weeks, I've in particular on the podcast been talking about passive income and building your empire and ways to make more money. But I love that you talk about how to protect it all because we get so caught up in hustling and then we forget, like you still have to actually build a legacy. It's not just something cute to say. Right. Yeah. People say that all the time. Legacy, legacy. What's going to be your legacy? Nothing. (laughs) Right. If it's not an ink, you have not technically secured the bag. Like you have not secured the bag for generations to come. And I loved in that episode, you talked about a study in particular. I believe it was by Brandeis University. You can correct Mm -hmm. me if I'm wrong. Yeah. The study was dispelling a lot of the myths. Yes. I love that study so much. It's like, it was groundbreaking because, so let me just back up a little. Like I admire you and Tiffany and Jamila Mm -hmm. of Journey to Launch, but all of these black Mm -hmm. women who are now saying we are going to take our financial abilities and our financial intelligence, and we are going to explain it in a way, and we're going to help our women see this. I think that's amazing because these discussions have been above our heads. They have not been for us. They have not been broken down for us. But what I thought was missing, and this is what the study talks about, is, okay, it's great for you, for me to get to the point where I'm out of debt, right? For me to stop, Mm -hmm. you know, act, you know, I love that part in your book when you were like, when you're going out and spending, you're not happy, you know? I was like, oh, that was me. Anyway. It's great for me to get to that point. But if I die, then my kid goes through the same exact thing. Yeah. Right? So this study dispels a lot of myths because a lot of people think that the reason why minorities are poor, the reason why we can't ever get out of this hole is because we have these bad personal behaviors Mm -hmm. because we don't save because we spend money on luxury items, because we don't work full-time, because we live in single-parent homes. And what this study was saying is, this is not true. The reason why, the only, the only reason why white people are ahead is not because they're smarter, not because they work harder, not because they get married more and don't live in single-parent homes, is because they have a head start. They have been given wealth that has been passed down from generation to generation and it accumulates. Now, back in the 60s and 70s or in the 50s, we didn't have access to that. We couldn't get a loan to buy a home. So we didn't have homes. We couldn't pass them down. But now we can. And the question is, why are we still not doing it now that we have access to this? And I believe it's because we're not educated we as a people. And I was one of those people, Patrice, like up until when I was in law school, I was like, yeah, like my kid, I'm not going to pay for college for him or her. They're going to have to work on their own. They're going to take out loans just like I did until I went to go and work at Skadden, which is the law firm that I had gotten a job at after law school. Me and all of my colleagues, all of our, our income is public. We were all making 160000 right out of law school. It's public information. Um, So we all are making the same amount, but like some of my friends before we even started, when, once you know, like what city you're going to move to after law school, their parents started buying condos for them. So they were starting their job already 
as a homeowner, not even using that 160 salary. What did Art have to do? Art didn't have that. So Art had to live in an apartment, save up money, get an FHA loan, which is super expensive, before mm-hmm. I could buy my first house. And like nine months after we started. They were starting even before. So I remember being like, dang, we went to law school, graduated the same year, coming out, I'm nine months behind already and we're making the same money. Like they're already richer than me. You know what I mean? It was like a light bulb. And then you're also about to start paying student loans off. I'm about to start paying student loans off. So it was a light bulb moment. And what this study shows is that if you take people who are similarly situated and compare them by race. So yeah, it doesn't make sense for you to compare a single mother to to somebody who has a two-parent income. It doesn't make sense. But if you take a white person or a white couple making about the same amount, similarly educated, to the black couple similarly educated, they have they are making 7.5 or not making. That's the thing. They have access to. Mhm. 7.5 times more income. The single parent white home has 2.3 times or access to 2.3 times more income than a double parent black home. So single white parents are doing better than a double black parent home. Fascinating. I yeah. really did. I found it fascinating. One of the statistics even said white households that include a full-time worker Mm-hmm. That's 7.6 times more wealth than the median Black household with a full-time worker. And I love that it puts it very plainly that this is not about lattes, right? Like, yeah. this is not about, oh, you like to buy expensive things, as you said, or because another thing that stood out to me was the fact that the average white household spent 1.3 times more than the average Black household of the same income group on entertainment, and mm-hmm. more on cars and different things. And that's always the stereotype that's very pervasive. Is yep. that, oh, you're trying to be blinged out when really it showed that Black families were spending more money on utilities, like electricity or heating or fuel and water and sewer and all this. And plus, when you have, unfortunately, lower credit, you pay higher security deposits. Exactly. So more money going to that. So I love something you said on your podcast. You said it's like showing up to attract me when all the buses <laughs> have left already. Yes. Right. And that's why we keep thinking, like, how come we're not getting ahead? Right. Because we're like, wait, I am making all this money. But the problem, Patrice, is that we're not passing it down. We're not saying, okay, how do I make sure that my life can mean something to the next generation? Mm. And we have to look at it that way. The other analogy I use is it's like, you start a business, you person one and person two start a business in 2018. You work your whole year, both of you go hard. At the end of the year, you each have 50,000 in your bank account. Then 2019 comes around. And then for person number one, they're like, you know what? We just going to wipe out your bank account. Person number two, you get to keep your 50. Go. What do you think is going to happen? <laughs> right? And so when we don't plan, When we don't look generations ahead, when we don't take out life insurance policies, and for some reason, I've been hearing that people don't believe in life insurance policies. Like, oh, and I'm just like, okay, I'm going to say it. That's dumb. (laughs) (laughs) You are free to say it here. 
Yeah, it's like, what do you, okay, so you pay $30. When you really think about the people who should have life insurance, it is minorities. We are dying at a younger rate. Like the average lifespan for minorities, probably a little bit higher now, but what, 57, 60 years old, right? Right, because we have greater health issues. We don't go to the doctor as often. We don't have as much access to healthcare. We're working longer, working harder, commuting more because we can't live in the cities where we work because it's too expensive. We don't have money, right? So we're not living as long. So if you take out a 30-year term, the chances that your children are going to get to use that policy before it expires is probably a greater chance than if you're white. You know, and so... I tell people, clients come to me and they're, and they always say like, especially grand, like older people will come to me and they will say, I don't have anything to leave to my children right now. Like my children are already in their forties. By the time I live for another 20 years or 10, 15 years, they're going to be 50. How am I going to impact their life? Right. Rightly. (laughs) But I also say to them is, okay, skip a generation. Don't your kids have kids? Leave the money to your kids. Because if your children are 50 and 60 years old and their kids are 20 and 30, you could pay for their law school, medical school. You could help them buy their first home. So don't not do it because you can't impact your children's lives. But you could impact the next generation's life. You can just skip a generation. And so... I think a lot of people just feel hopeless about it. I don't think it's because we're lazy. I don't think it's because we don't care. I think we don't understand the impact. We don't understand the impact of just leaving $50,000, even $15,000. I was like, just imagine for every relative who passed away, you got $2,000. You just knew so-and-so died. My 2000s coming. I'm not saying you're happy that person died, but just think how completely. But the thing is, it's not an if, right? It's, it, you know, with life mm-hmm. insurance, it's not an if somebody's going to die. We are all going at some point. It just is, it's a matter of when. So yeah. to act like it's something that is so mysterious is, <laughs> is strange to me. You know, yeah. just to me, I'm, I'm keeping it real. It's kind of strange to me. And I love that you talk about some of the things that just don't make sense. And I think social media has a big part in continuing to promote foolishness. I'm going (laughs) to just say it that way, because I also have seen the memes that are like, your house is keeping you from your dreams. If you didn't have a mortgage, you could be out here living life. You're tied down to a more like what? No, that is one of the things that also keeps us from being able to transfer well, wow. yes. like, because can you kind of talk about that? Because I know that's one that kind of irks you as well. Yeah. And, and it keeps resurfacing. And it's just so so that the meme is something like your mortgage and coffee and vacations is keeping you from building your dreams. And it's talking about like, you know, doing your business, um, building your business. And I don't like this meme for a few reasons, but I think one of the things it really is trying to encourage is it's pouring money into entrepreneurship. You know, and everybody tells you hire a business coach and you really want to grow your business, do this and do that. And I and I get that because I've hired business coaches myself, but I think it's irresponsible to say forsake everything else. This is what I say. Buy a house before you tell somebody not to buy a house. Do you own a house before you're telling somebody that they should not own a house? 
Because only when you truly own that thing can you see the benefits of it. And I'm not saying everybody should go out there and buy a house. For some people, it doesn't make sense. But for the people who it does make sense for, it made sense for them. And anybody, anybody listening, all the people listening to this, go to Netflix. And I cannot remember the name of it right now, Patrice, but I will send you the name of it so you can put it in the show notes. There's mm-hmm. a program on Netflix called like The Wealth of America. And it talks about how home ownership, it is directly responsible for the majority of the wealth that white people have now. Like if you, I bought a house, I think in 2010, in 30 years, this house will be paid for. It'll be worth three or four times what I paid for it. And my son right now is three years old. So when he's 33 or four or 35, this house is going to be paid for, going to be worth over a million dollars. He can decide what he wants to do with that. And so I think the mortgage interest deductions that you're getting all along the way as well. And I think that to your point, we forget about some of the other benefits because what people don't realize is let's say you do have that business and you create your seven figure business, this ideal number that so many people have. I want a million dollar business. If you don't have anything (laughs) to write off, Exactly. If you don't have some mortgage interest deduction, you're going to be giving the government like 40% of that. Yes. So really you're hustling to get to a million only to really maybe after expenses and taxes have two or 300,000. Right. And and that's the truth. Like, I I think that we forget about that. Like if you don't have something to... You're paying rent on that ta- that money that's taxed, right? You're paying rent from that money that's taxed and it's just going out the window, you know? And the other thing that people don't understand is that when you have, when you own a home because of the mortgage interest deduction is so large that it basically puts you into another category where you can now claim expenses mm-hmm. that you would not have been able to claim if you didn't have that mortgage. So it throws you into itemized deductions, which has now changed with the new tax law, but it's still way better off, not to mention the equity, right? If you pay somebody rent for 10 years versus you pay a mortgage for 10 years, in 10 years, that apartment is not going to be yours. In 10 years, this home may have equity in it where if you need to pay for your kid's college, pay for cash for your kids' college so that they can come out and not have to pay student loans. So it was, to me, it was just a really silly meme. The other thing is, I don't think you can compare a vacation and buying coffee to a mortgage. Like that somebody would even do that is so insane. And then some of the people who were quoting like, yeah, I agree with this. were like, yeah, I want to buy a really nice car. You also can't compare a car to a mortgage. The one thing I hate buying is a car. I just absolutely hate buying cars. I feel like even if I were a millionaire, I would hate this because they're depreciating assets. I would never compare a car note to a mortgage because they're just two completely different things. But, you know, I think it just sounded cute and people keep repeating it. And it sounds like, oh, this person really knows what they're talking about. And People are jumping on it because maybe some people feel like home ownership is out of their reach. Or I think entrepreneurship has just become so glorified that it's like 
It's the end all be all. Anything you need to do, sell your house, sell your clothes, do whatever you can to buy this course that's going to make you a million dollars. And I'm just like, you know what? I don't want a million dollar business. I just want a $358,000 business. (laughs) (laughs) That's plenty of money. You know, as somebody who was making $358,000. This whole million dollar business thing, I think is getting out of hand anyway, because I think people don't really understand how much work it goes into it, how many people you need to really hire in order to do it. Anyway, that's not why we're here. My thing is, I don't mind if you have or want a million dollar business, right? Like I am all for living your passion and living in your purpose, but I don't think that you can forget the practical steps it takes to actually build wealth and leave a legacy. And I think that we get so caught up to your point in entrepreneurship that we feel like, well, I'm building a business that I can quote unquote pass on, but that's not true. Most of us are so caught up in the hustle of working inside of whatever this thing is that we don't think about the other parts that are actually going to leave a legacy. And especially as entrepreneurs, I think estate planning tends to be one of those things that are just not as sexy. So when someone thinks of an attorney as an entrepreneur, it's usually because they're already in trouble with something Mm -hmm. that they shouldn't have done. So now their back is up against the wall and they're looking for an attorney or they have something they want to trademark, copyright, patent, whatever. And so now they're thinking, I need an attorney. But I really want entrepreneurs, especially who listen to Redefining Wealth, I want them to be more aware of the fact that estate planning is a necessity. It is absolutely necessary, especially, especially, I mean, everyone I believe needs estate planning, whether Mm -hmm. you're an entrepreneur or not. But I think that, like you said, this whole thing with entrepreneurs and passion and purpose and forgetting the practical steps is just kind of getting out of hand. Yeah. And so I really want to talk about I know that the key to generational wealth really right, is to starting now. Like if we're going to have generational wealth, which is this coveted ideal that people have, then that means it starts with you. If it wasn't passed on to you, that's fine. But you have an opportunity to, to pay it forward. But you have to start somewhere. So what do you say is the first step if you are committed to creating generational wealth? So one last thing about entrepreneurship, every business can't be passed down, right? And that's not what I'm suggesting. What I'm suggesting is whatever you create in that business, especially if it is income, find a way to pass that income down, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're doing really well as a lifestyle influencer or blogger, find a way so that you can, let's say you're making all this money create something that can be passed down instead of just cash. Maybe that's a whole life insurance policy, which is more, which is maybe that's a life insurance policy. Maybe you buy a house because you've done so well and then you can pass it down. But as far as steps people can take to engage in estate planning, the first thing I always say is start looking at your assets right? And that's not to necessarily make you feel bad about yourself. And even if you have debt, that's okay. From a estate planning perspective, I'm not the financial advisor here. Even if you have debt, that's okay. But do an assessment of what you have that can be passed down. And if you don't have certain things, put them in place. Do you have a life insurance policy? It makes no sense for anyone to not have something in place. 
mm-hmm. because I, I tell this story all the time. People truly underestimate how much of an impact getting a lump sum of 50000 is or 100000 which is a fairly cheap life insurance policy to get. And I was at an American Bar Association function or conference, and there are all these people. I mean, their clients make like hundreds or have hundreds of millions of dollars. And I approached this guy who manages a lot of people who have a lot of money. I was like, so, you know, what do you do when somebody has like hundreds of millions? How do you try to protect their money? And he was like, you know, for those people, I don't really do much. It's just more of a matter of managing their money and trying to make sure from generation to generation, they don't lose touch of how this money was created. He said, but with all of that, with all of the hundreds of millions of dollars that I manage, the most important client who walks into my office is the person who has $100,000. Because it is with, if I do what I am supposed to do, that person is going to be able to set up the next generation and the generation after that. So that person is really important because if I do what I'm supposed to do, I can turn that $100,000 into millions of dollars for generations to come. Mm-hmm. And so people just feel like, well, I don't have anything. What am I going to leave? And I always say, but you have someone. Like there's no one in this world, even if you aren't close to your mom or your mom has passed away or parents have passed away or you aren't close to them, aren't close to siblings, nieces, whoever, there is someone in our life, most of us, I would say at least 95% of the people who are listening, who we can pass it down to someone else. And I know people are like, well, why would I pass it down to my this and that? This is what white people do. White people leave money indiscriminately. They're just like, oh, I'm leaving it to all of my grandmother's descendants. Mm-hmm. Right? Because that's the family line. And so we need to start thinking that way. When we do that. And so I think it's really interesting. I'm getting a certification now for financial psychology. And one of the things that we've been looking at is just the cultural implications of finances in general. And one of the things that really struck me in one section in particular, when we were having a discussion amongst my classmates was how in white families, it's not really expected that you take care of your parents. It's expected that your parents pass something on to you. Mm-hmm. Like if anything, people are like, give me my inheritance now, you know, yes. and, enjoy it, right? <laughs> and then yeah. I was looking at the comments from myself included as a black and brown people in particular. And we were very much very clear that we needed to plan. We're in that sandwich generation where not only do we need to take care of our children's college expenses and those types of things, but we're also trying to figure out how to make sure that our parents are taken care of. In their old age. And it was just a totally, completely different mindset because culturally, we just know we're going to have to take care of people. Mm-hmm. And when people say things like, who would I leave it to? Why would I do that? I had to struggle. They're going to have yeah. to struggle. Nobody helped me. It's like, and that's what you want to pass on. Yeah. You want to keep starting over from scratch. I get that no one was in position to help me. But when I look at my daughter, when I look at my bonus children, when I look at my nieces and nephews, I don't want that to have to be their legacy. But the other thing is I'm also really clear that now I talk to them in different ways based on their age and where they are in life about how to manage money or how to think about money or how to think about wealth. I share the good and the bad of the things that I've experienced so that when they do get that chunk of change, 
they were hopefully the goal is that they remember my words. So it's not just leaving money and hoping for the best. It's also prepping them that, and I haven't really told anyone about if something happens to me, this is what you're getting. Although my daughter has been with me at this day planner talking about. So if you have another child, what does that do to my share? I'm like, girl, <laughs> you asked me that at 10. I was like, your share gets split in half. She looked at me like, don't you have no more children? Right. I'm good. I'm straight. You know what? But- like that's, uh, that's something, you know, that's amazing that you took her to that because that's now going to become a part of how she moves in life. Mm-hmm. And there, there was another meme, which did get a lot of circulation that said for white people, their grandparents are giving them $50 every month to pay their cell phone bill. And for black people, we're giving our grandparents $50 every month to pay their cell phone bill. Mm-hmm. That's generational wealth. And those mm-hmm. are the teeny little things that we never think about. Like, okay, it's just $50 a month, but that's $50 you don't have to pay. That's $50. If you're, when we were in law school, we had a friend who I think his parents were paying his cell phone bill and that's $50. He didn't have to take out in student loans that accumulates, you know, these things. You don't realize it's that it's literally that small. Yeah. Like, but that is impact. And it's so sad that we think it has to be these huge numbers mm-hmm. in order to make some type of impact. And it, it really just doesn't have to be. You know what, Art? I really want you to talk about some very specific and tangible kind of documents okay. that people need to go and secure. I know the first one I would want you to talk about is a will. And just mm-hmm. breaking down why everyone, because the saddest thing to me in the world is hearing about all these superstars yes. who are passing away left and right. And you see their estates going into probate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and I mean, I just think of how much money is going to be wasted in attorney's fees alone. Yes. Because they didn't have a will. They didn't have something in place. And can you talk about the importance of the will and how to get one and right. where you should not get one? Because yeah. I know I know where people go to get one and I'm like, yeah. that's probably not going to hold up. <laughs> okay. So let me just back up and talk about probate. Probate is the procedure, your estate, meaning your assets. Mm-hmm. Probate is the procedure your assets go through when you die. It's a court-regulated procedure. So that means someone has to go to court, even if you don't have a will. Somebody, well, they're supposed to, because <laughs> we know how it go down, right? <laughs> you just go to grandma's house, everybody take what they want. Somebody is supposed to go to court and say, this person died. These are their assets. These are the people who are in their line to take. Now, there are so many rules on who can do that, when you have to do that, within how much time you have to do that. And then you have to keep going to court because it's a court-regulated procedure. You have to give the court an inventory of the assets. The court sometimes won't let you be, well, not sometimes, the court requires that you get a bond because you're going to be dealing with someone's property. And if someone dies, there is a specific person who is in line to take it by state law if you don't have a will. Even if you do have a will, there, you have to follow the will. Now, if you don't have a will, which is how most people die, and that's black or white, if you don't have a will or in everything in between, if you don't have a will, you have to get what's called a bond. In order to get the bond, you have to go and apply to a bond company. The bond company has its own requirements. 
it requires sometimes, depending on the, the bond company, that you be a U.S. citizen. Sometimes they require you to have good credit in order for you to be this person who can administer the estate. You can't, sometimes you can't have a criminal record. You have to be a certain level of kin. Different bond companies have different requirements. Most people who come to me after someone has died and they did not leave a will cannot move forward because no one in the family can get the bond. Mm. And some bond companies will even require that you have a lawyer before they will give you the bond. And the reason the bond company does this is because if you go out and give that property to the wrong person and they sue you, the bond is insurance. And so they want to make, they, they believe that if you at least have a lawyer advising you, the likelihood that you will do something incorrectly is a lot lower. So that prevents them from having to actually pay out. So they will require you. So most people who come to me because so-and-so died and we need to get money out of their bank account, the bank is not going to give us money until we go to court and all this stuff, that money stays there because no one in the family can qualify for that bond. The reason why having a will is so important is because you can put in the will that you want to waive the bond for anybody who is going to apply to be your representative. So if you put that in your will, then the court is not going to force that person. And so the requirements to being a personal representative, which is the person who administers the estate, that requirement is much lower than getting the bond. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So this is why you want a will. Now, the thing about the will is you still have to go through court. You still have to go through probate. It's a public document. So everybody can see who you gave your property to. And, you know, maybe you don't want that in public. You don't want to know, you don't want the public to know who your beneficiaries are. You know, if you're giving money to the NRA, you don't want nobody to know that either. So if you don't want your will to be public, then you don't really want to go that way. You would have a will and you would have a trust. Mm -hmm. Now, the trust is really, really, really important for two reasons. The first is that the trust is actually a contract between the trustee and the settler, the, the grantor, the person who is who has the estate. And all of that trustee's actions are governed by that trust document. The trust document agreement or trust is not a public record, so it's not submitted to court. So if you have a will with a trust, the only thing you submit is the will. And the will will just say, I, this is Art Steele, my last will and testament. I live in Virginia. These are my children. I want this person to be my personal representative. I leave everything to the Art Steele Trust. That's mm -hmm. it. That's the only thing that the court sees and has. Now, in your trust document is where you would say, I give $20 to this person. I want this to happen. I want that to happen. But you don't have to go through the court to do any of that. And so the document that actually takes your property out of probate is having a revocable or irrevocable trust. Revocable means that any time after you draft these documents, you can revoke it. You can say, you know what? I changed my mind. You can draw up a new trust. Irrevocable means that you can't revoke it. And people only do that for tax reasons. So the only way to really get your property out of probate is to couple your will with a trust. Now, when we talk about these celebrities, 
And even though we're talking about millions of dollars, but we can reduce this to hundreds of thousands, $50,000 when we're talking about this. The problem is when you don't leave a will or even when you do leave a will because the court procedure is so onerous, Mm -hmm. it just costs so much money. Now, a lot of states try to do what they can to have what's called a small estate. So if your estate is under 50,000, then you don't have to go through the full procedure. But if it's over 100, you have to go through the whole nine and it costs a lot of money. Now, the problem with these celebrities, especially when you have these celebrities who have a lot of intellectual property, which is property that continues to earn money Mm -hmm. after you die. Now, if you had tuned out because you were like, I'm not a celebrity, but come back in for all the entrepreneurs who have trademarks, who have all these YouTube videos, who have all of these, yes, who have all these online courses. These are all things that can continue after you die. So this is why it's really important for you to put a plan in place as to what happens to this intellectual property. because. You can, your family, for example, you have this Redefining Wealth podcast. Mm-hmm. When you die, I hate saying when, but when you die, your daughter could take this and repackage it. And this could be yeah. a part of whatever. And she can continue to, so this thing that you are creating now can continue to earn income. The question is, let's say you have another child and she and that child can decide who gets it. Maybe Tiffany, the budgetista, wants to use it. And so she knows Tiffany. So she personally wants to let her use it. But let's say Morgan Chase or whoever, some major bank wants to use it. And the other child is like, well, they're going to pay us more money. And she's like, well, no, that's how you end up in court. That's why you have the, the what's the name, Martin Luther King issue with his kids not really being able to decide how to use his intellectual property. But I can outline all of that in my trust. Right. And so this is why even if you're a entre- you know like you're an entrepreneur and you're if you have any intellectual property you should have a trust that says who is going to manage this property? Who do you want to be the person in charge? And I always like to say to people, you have an eight-year-old child or a 10-year-old child or a 16-year-old child. You want your 16-year-old child de- deciding who gets to buy for them? Somebody comes and give them like they're going to think they're millionaires, (laughs) right? Right? You know, so this is a time for you to sit and think, how do I want this really to be a legacy? How do I want to make sure that this gets into the correct hands, the competent hands of somebody who can really manage this property so that it does go for generation and generations? So those are the three. Is this something that you can do on LegalZoom? You can, but you shouldn't. Oh my goodness. I just cannot with LegalZoom. I just cannot. This is what I always say about LegalZoom and and, and to see if you can follow this. LegalZoom tells you, you don't need a lawyer. So if you don't need a lawyer, why do you need a (laughs) non-lawyer? Does that make sense? Like if they're saying, oh, you don't need a lawyer to do that. Why do I need you to do it then? I can do it myself, right? So uh, you know, idea. I know people who get their wills done on LegalZoom, but I've also heard that some of these wills don't necessarily hold up. Because, know. so let me back up a little bit. A lot of states have different requirements on how you have to execute the will. 
Now, going back all the way, way back, the reason why there were all of these requirements is because they wanted to make sure that people weren't signing these wills under duress, that somebody wasn't putting a gun to your head and saying, make sure you give your property to so-and-so. And so what these states have are these what's called execution requirements. And you have to execute, meaning sign your will in a very specific order. Now, I've never gotten my will done with LegalZoom, so I don't know what they tell you to do. <laughs> I don't know if they tell you how super important it is for you to sign your will literally exactly in a very specific order. When I have clients sign their wills, it takes two hours. Yeah. Right? It takes two hours because I have to make sure everybody signs every single page, does it in the correct order, that the notaries are witnessing them do it in the right order, that the witnesses are witnessing them do it, then the witness sign, then the notary witnesses the witnesses. So I don't know if LegalZoom tells you to do all these things. I, I have no idea. But what is happening more and more and what we're going to see more of is these wills are going to be thrown out because people make mistakes. People... It happens when we're doing, when people are sitting in front of me and I am telling them what to do. They'll be like, whoops, signed the wrong copy. Okay, back to the printer. I saw an apartment (laughs) building the other day and sat with the witness and the notary and we still, all three of us, ended up missing something very small. (laughs) Yep. And it held up the closing of the transaction because they had to find me in another city with a new notary (laughs) to redo one sheet. So I can only imagine all right. How do people find the right lawyer? So I have an estate planning attorney mm-hmm. um, who has supported me in California and created my will and, and my revocable living trust and updated it over the years as we've sold property, bought property, right. and done different things. So how do you suggest people find the right attorney to help them do that? And do you have to be rich to do it? Right. So I, I say that start with people, you know, you know, go to Facebook and say, hey, anybody know an estate planning attorney in X city? The reason I suggest this is because I think the best way for you to find a good attorney is to ask someone who has already used them. And there is no shame in saying, hey, anybody know an estate planning attorney? I'm looking for one. Now, you want someone who is licensed in your state, even in that area. So for example, I'm probably not going to do a will for somebody who lives in Roanoke, Virginia, unless they have some kind of connection to Northern Virginia and maybe they just have property there or maybe they move down there because I'm not familiar with the Roanoke court procedures and Roanoke is is like four hours and literally almost like a different state. It's closer to Tennessee Mm -hmm. than it is to me. So, you know, you want somebody who's kind of in your area also too, because you have to sign that will in person. And then your other question was, oh, do you need to be rich? No. Now, let me give you some DIY tips. Even though I feel like you should not DIY your will, but something is better than nothing. There are some states where you can handwrite your will. It's called a holographic will. Mm -hmm. This is better than going to LegalZoom. And in that holographic will, you can say, this is art. Literally, you can say this because even suicide notes are used as holographic wills. 
especially if the person like gives away property in their suicide note. So your holographic will doesn't have to have legalese. But if you live in a state where they do accept holographic wills and you feel like you don't have the money, just write out your wishes on a piece of paper. I know this sounds so simple, right? But it really holds up in court. It holds up more in court than the legal zoom will. No joke. Wow. Yeah, because it's your own handwriting. So you just say, my name is so-and-so. This is where I live. I want this to happen to my property when I die. Sign it. You don't even need witnesses for a holographic will. I think that's so practical. Like, No, but really. But seriously, I think for some people who are listening, they're going to go, well, I don't have the money to go talk to an estate Mm -hmm. planner. I'm still intimidated or whatever story they're going to tell themselves. But I love that you said something that anybody can do. Anybody. Anybody can do it. I did it myself. I'm a lawyer. I draft wills, print them out all day. When my son was born, I didn't know what I wanted how I wanted to set up his trust. I had no idea. I couldn't think of it at that time. But I did know that I wanted to choose who would be his guardian. I wanted to put it in writing. I hand wrote that will. I still have it. (laughs) I hand wrote it. And I told everybody where it was because I live in Virginia. In Virginia, you can hand write a will. And I hand wrote it. I hand wrote who I wanted to have him, who was going to be the, I wrote a trust. I wrote a full trust document. In this will, which you can do. I don't recommend it because if they had put that in court, that whole trust would have been in there because it was actually a part of the will and not a separate agreement. But in my opinion, that's better than not having anything, than having my family come in and fight over my son and all that stuff. You know, so that's very practical. I'll try to look up in which states have holographic wills because all of them don't. I think like 10 don't. So that's the first. Well, I think thing. it's something that you you've planted the seed, and mm-hmm. it's good enough for folks to start to marinate on and think about. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can Google what's acceptable in your state, but my main thing is always planting the seed. Like yes. I just want people to leave this episode, whether you're an employee or an entrepreneur, whether you want to rent or you want to own, whether you're black right. or you're white or anything in between. I just want you to know that estate planning is for everyone, and it's for everyone. There is a need for you to take this seriously and be more intentional because it doesn't matter how small or how much or how big the estate is, it can be a blessing and we don't have to keep starting over from scratch. And if you could give someone the head start of $10,000, it could totally change the game for the next generation. Don't think that it can't because you can start businesses now with little to nothing. If you can pop up a website and come up with an idea, you know, like you can like put a down a, payment on yeah, a, a, or, a condo for $10,000. Right. Or ex- exactly. There's any number of things that can be done. And so, all right, before I let you go, I want to mm-hmm. end with what we call redefining wealth, rapid mm-hmm. wisdom questions. Yes. Ask you a few things really quick and okay. just fill in the blank. Okay. Okay. How do you define success? Success for me is my son graduating from college and not having any student loan debt. Come on, girl. Wanting to be a teacher, making a $50,000 salary and being able to, for me to pay for a down payment for a house for him. That's my only measure of success. Yeah. So you're really living it. You're not just. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't care. I, I know I'm not going to get to the promised land, <laughs> <laughs> but my son will. <laughs> okay. So how do you define wealth in three words or less? 
freedom. To me, that's wealth. Do you have two more words? I would say happiness, but I feel like that's really cliche. But I think freedom and, okay, freedom, flexibility, and happiness. That's wealth. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. What's one book that has redefined how you see wealth? Oh, your book. I'm not even joking. Ah, uh, I'm not even joking. That that book was like a turning point for me. She's and referring to Real Money Answers for Every Woman. Yeah, sorry. sorry. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just remember, I have so many parts of it highlighted. I just remember taking pictures, sending it to my friends. It was, it was, it was amazing. And coming from a Black woman was just so real. I remember reading that book and being like, She's talking about me <laughs> and she's talking to me. She's talking for me. Ah, uh, Thank you. I appreciate that. Fill in the blank. My name is, and for me, the truth about wealth is. My name is Art. And the truth about wealth is that we have to pass it down. Yes. Yes, we do. Art, we don't That's have to keep the truth. over. That is the truth. Man, thank you so much. Thank you You're so welcome. much for how you just make it plain. I am going to make sure that I direct people to your site. You have tons of great blog posts and podcast episodes about all kinds of things. I know you, you've rebranded, but all mm-hmm. kinds of legalese. Yeah. And you have just been a constant companion. I love your content. I love that you make it so easy to understand. And I'm just so appreciative of just being connected to you in this space. So thank you so much for your contribution. Thanks for having me. And I forgot to mention that I do have an estate planning workbook. If anyone is interested, this is basically the questionnaire that I give to my clients when they come to start the estate planning process. It's not all the questions I ask, but this is a very good way for you to start thinking about things you want to do, how you want to approach it, and to start having that conversation. So if anybody wants to download that book, do you think this is something they would be interested in? Absolutely. And I actually had a note to ask you about it. So I can make it really easy. If they want to get it and they're listening on their podcast or whatever, all you have to do is text 44222. And then you have to text the word redefine will. Perfect. Yes. This is going to be awesome. I appreciate you. Thank you, lady. Didn't I tell you that was going to be good? Art is the bomb.com. She is. And I just love her passion. These are real conversations. And these are the conversations I know that people are uncomfortable having, but we have to get comfortable, especially if we want to actually protect the wealth that we're building. See, everyone wants to talk about making more money, but we're not talking about how to keep it. And the fact of the matter is our children and our children's children should not have to keep starting over from ground zero every generation, right? So this is the takeaway, guys. Estate planning is for everyone, no matter where you are in the journey. I want you to be diligent about going and having these conversations. Get the support that you need to not just build your wealth, but protect it. And to get Art's free 12-page estate planning workbook, you can either click on the link in the show notes or text Redefine Will, that's one word, all caps, because I tried it too, <laughs> Redefine Will to 44222. Again, text 44222, 
Redefine Will. It's one word, all caps. And you'll get an email after you put your email address in. You'll get an email that says, let's build your legacy. And the stuff that she has in there is so good. I've already printed mine down. So I suggest you do the same. All right. So go enjoy your families. Enjoy this Thanksgiving holiday and make sure that you get serious about having real conversations about how we're going to stop starting over from generation to generation and truly not just say it because it's cute, truly be intentional about leaving a legacy. Until next time, remember, my goal is to help you live your life's purpose, find fulfillment and earn more without ever chasing money. Talk to you later. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.